When you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, Baker's Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the Baker's app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. And what's up? Welcome in Gamecock Nation. This is GC Live. Wes Mitchell here with Chris Clark as we roll along a Wednesday episode of the show. Settling into what is now officially Missouri week, sort of finishing off any final Florida content on Gamecock Central, completely turning the page to the Tigers. As you know, this is GC Live. As you know, we are presented by our good buddy, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com is where you can find more information about Clint and everything he does. If you're on the stream right now, you see Clint's smiling face staring back at you. NMLS number 71597. Email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. As always, you know, we're not forcing you to buy a house, but if you are in the market to buy a house, all we ask is that you give our buddy Clint an opportunity to earn your business. And if you were thinking about saving some money, trying to save some money, maybe you want to lower that mortgage payment each month, give Clint a shout. He can tell you what options might be out there as far as um, maybe refinancing. Chris, I feel like maybe we're starting to settle in a little bit for the rest of the week because the the content on Gamecock Central the last two days uh, with, with the big win, I mean, dude, you had the big win over Florida, of course, as far as on the field stuff like reactions and, and content analysis and all that stuff. You had the recruiting side of it, which I think uh, took up a huge portion of my Sunday. Uh, what was on, you know, trying to gather stuff, uh, you know, on recruits and reactions and stuff like that. Of course, you had a commitment on Sunday as well. Then, you know, you had everything going on with uh, men's basketball starting this week, women's basketball starting this week. Just uh, you know, now you actually have uh, signing day today as far as uh, those sports go as well. Uh, I think this is signing day for soccer as well. Several of the Olympic sports have their signing days right now. So the the front page, honestly, if like you're a hardcore Gamecock fan and you have not been on Gamecock Central um, for like hours at a time, um, I would encourage you to go back and hit the little headline news button, and you you probably missed something because. There's been so much going on in Gamecock Nation this week that the the front page slots just would not hold them all. So, uh, lots going on, man. There is. There's a ton. I can barely keep up with it. I've, I've had uh, two pieces that got up today, Wes, honestly, a little bit later than usual because there's, <laughs> there's so much going on. Uh, things have honestly gotten a little bit buried even uh, with some of our content. So, definitely, if you go to our front page, you know, if you're on the mobile site, GamecockCentral.com, you'll see a lead story. Scroll to the right, find some more. Scroll down, find some more. Click on the more news button. If you're on a desktop, you know, check out the the what six or seven slots up there. 
hit the the more news, the latest headlines tab, catch up on everything because we can't cover everything on the show in this time that we're here, even though we do close to an hour, Monday through Friday, can't cover everything. We cover just about all of it on the website on Gamecock Central, so make sure you check that stuff out. Lots of good content on. And uh, basketball wins out there, football win out there, recruiting stuff. lot to get to, a lot going on. Yeah, a lot, lot to get to. Um, by the way, I know Colin and Mike are going to be all in on the video side of sort of video and audio, I think. I, I believe we're going to start putting their uh, – their weekly basketball podcast. I believe it's going to be weekly. Maybe it's going to be twice a week. Not sure yet. I believe we're going to start putting that on the podcast platforms as well. It's certainly already on YouTube and on the Gamecock Central front page. For the most part, because Colin is at, you know, all the home basketball games, many of the away basketball games. I think he's going to be in Asheville this weekend, which good good time to be covering Gamecock basketball, I guess. Uh, get to travel to Asheville, great place to go hang out. But – We'll let him dive into it, but I'm sure at times throughout the season, um, we will weigh in and, and let you guys weigh in as well on what's going on with basketball. Huge start to the season for women's basketball, beating number five NC State. Uh, talk about just diving right into the season. Uh, that's not easy to, to just dive in on the road like that, uh, look like a packed house, and uh, they find a way to win that game. And then the men defeat USC Upstate. Little bit of trouble early on, but then they settled in and uh, and won that game the way they should, despite the fact they were um, missing Keyshawn Bryant, missing AJ Wilson, and uh, you know were, were able to sort of just take care of business and, and do what they were supposed to do. I will say this real quick, man, before we get to football. Did, did you watch the men's basketball game last night? Did you get to see I got it? to catch very little of it. I've, I've like got it on my list that looks like a scroll right now, honestly. Uh, to go back and watch more of that game. So I did not get to catch as much of it. I actually saw a little bit more from, you know, the Benedict exhibition in terms of the clips I saw that I've seen of last night's game so far. I'll say this, man. Um, Again, I would would never claim to be a basketball expert. Like, I, you know, I enjoy the game. I, I have no, there are a ton of fans listening right now that have more knowledge about the game of basketball than I will ever claim to. Um, that said, I do think, you know, we're obviously around athletes enough and we see athletes enough. Um, the the three freshmen, uh, you know, Devin Carter is someone that, you know, I, 23, that I, we've, we've heard a lot about him. You've heard a lot of buzz about him. But, um, dude, I thought all the guys, um, all the freshmen, Devin Carter, uh, Jacoby Wright, and then the uh, Taekwon Woodley kid, big 55. It took me a second um, to to process who 55 was because he, he played a lot early on in this game. And one thing I one thing, Chris, I keep hearing is uh, from people that are around the basketball program is that South Carolina is big this year. Like they they have size and and really they've gone from at times um you know, being an undersized team to really having two – they were a lot of times last night playing two guys that were essentially like college center-sized down low. And so I, I know, you know, obviously that was without, again, A.J. Wilson being available. 
he's a guy who has transferred in and um, was uh, was certainly able to um, do some big things at, at a lower level, was transferred up to South Carolina. But um, to me, dude, the freshman, like those three guys, they, they just looked the part. And I thought, uh, you know, and James Reese was solid. Um, Eric Stevenson was, was cold last night, but dude can shoot, man. Like sometimes shooters just have a, an off night. Like you can sort of see, obviously, uh, you know, they'll get Keyshawn Bryant back in four games now. Um, Jermaine Kuznar is going to have a big role in this team. Uh, Wildens Levesque started uh, at the five. So, you know, lots of returning guys, lots of transfers are going to make an impact. I'll be watching how much those freshmen slowly get incorporated because, Chris, they actually played a pretty good bit in the first half right off the bat last night, and they just looked – you know when you see a young kid come in on the football side and you're just like, that guy looks a little bit different than those other guys, and they're still freshmen, they're still learning. But to me, all three of those guys sort of popped. Yeah, and when you go back to the recruiting process, uh, specifically – of, of Wright and Devin Carter, because those were the two more high-profile guys of those three that you mentioned. I mean, Woodley, you know, was high-profile in a way, but Carter and Wright, you know, got the majority of the headlines. And when you look back at that process, I'm just recalling as we talk about them, Wes, talking to some people who either do scout basketball for a living or they pay a lot more attention to it than we do. You know, we're mainly a lot more football-focused. And a lot of people that I trust, they said, look, these guys can play. Like, they're good. And a lot of people were really looking forward to this season because they were going to be – the expectation was that they were going to be integrated early into this team and make an impact. And so far, you know, at exhibition in one game, you know, we've kind of seen that, right? And then th- this is such a new team, not only the newcomers in terms of the freshmen, but so many transfers, right, that this this team has a completely different look. But it's a really interesting team. You mentioned the size. They have a lot of different types of skill sets. You know, you got somebody like Kuznard. You got somebody like Stevenson, who's a bigger shooter. Who Stevenson is just like a Frank Martin player. You know, like you watch him, he fits perfectly. I think. And you're right. He, he was cold last night. You know, I did see the stat line. I think they shot four of nineteen from three, so not their best shooting night. They'll probably be better than that most nights. But a, a really interesting team and a lot of the other teams that they're going to play in the sec it's going to be a tough league again probably um so we'll see how it ends up shaking out from a record standpoint but definitely i think there's a lot of uh you know intrigue about this team this season and a decent crowd i thought i thought it was a solid crowd students came out we'll see if they can keep building a a little bit of uh momentum on campus and, and get things going we all know this the key, Chris, don't don't drop a game or two early in the season that you quote should it that that ends up haunting you for the rest of the year. Like that's that, you know that's that's gonna be a key. It's it's been a trend. Like it it really has. It's been a trend. So you have to find a way to avoid that. Uh, South Carolina beats what you know that was a USC Upstate team that struggled last year as well. Um, you know you're not you're not getting any huge pats on the back for beating USC Upstate. But I thought considering the guys that were missing, considering it's the first real game with all those guys trying to incorporate them all, we one thing I do know about Frank Martin is that he he will tinker until he finds the best uh, 
the best combination of, of how to play things. And so for it to be game one, uh, for there to be no Keyshawn Bryant, I, I thought Carolina um, – it was a good day. It was a decent day. And like I said, women, big big win on the road in a top five matchup. Uh, Seth says on Facebook, 55 is just the player we needed. Bring some street toughness. Yeah, he uh, he, he was good, man. He was good. And, uh, yeah, coming on our Primal Gourmet chat line. And uh, Josh Gray, the, the transfer from LSU, which, by the way, I, I think I may have misspoke. I think Wild – I think Levesque – um, I think Levesque and Gray started. Um, so I think Gray was like basically playing a five. Um, but uh, they had both those guys on the court at the same time a, a lot. So that, that's a lot to deal with. Again, we're going to talk football, but uh, thought it was worth mentioning, both, you know, with both programs tipping off last night. Little update there. Uh, I, Chris, do you, so Rob on YouTube, I'm going to pull this up. Do you remember? I've, I've deleted this from my brain. Uh, Rob, Rob says uh, that uh, he thinks we mentioned in the past something about Drinkwitz uh, running his mouth about his record at, at Williams-Brice. I'd assume that was after last year's game because obviously they they wanted at he wanted App State in Columbia, in Columbia, South Carolina. And then Missouri, I mean, they – it wasn't like it was some impressive victory over the Gamecocks last year. Um, you know, it was, what, 17 to 10? Yeah, now that game, was. You, you know how we kind of joke about Gamecock fans, like, blotting out games from their memory of last year? I have I consider myself to have a pretty good memory of games. I don't remember much of anything from that game last yeah. season. I, I'll, I'll – Here's what I remember from the game. It, it was low. It was low scoring. Missouri's offense didn't really do a ton. Um, Mike Bobo was the co- the head coach at the time. Um, and Carolina, yep. Carolina's offense did nothing in the first half, and they literally told Luke Doty as they were running out the tunnel um, for the second half that he was going in to play, and he played the second half. Had some good moments. Actually, I think Carolina got the ball back down a score, down seven late with a chance to go tie the game. And um, I think maybe it ended with an interception, if I remember correctly. It, it did. If if not ended, it was like one of the last plays because Luke came in and did a nice job in that setting given the circumstances. Yeah, that did jog it a little bit in my mind. They were the black – the black jerseys with the garnet helmets and pants, I think. I don't know why I remember that. Don't ask why. I do. Yeah, so – and I, I don't remember – maybe somebody else in the chat can can fill us in on, on when Drinkwitz made those comments or where or whatever. It, not not exactly a W that I'd be writing a book about if I'm, if I'm Eli Drinkwitz. Like, it wasn't yeah. – I'm not saying it set football back 25 years, but it also didn't – they're not doing a 30 for 30 about the day that Eli Drinkwitz beat the Gamecocks during COVID with um, a freshman quarterback who was playing wide receiver a month. It's not going to be on a, it's not going to be on ESPN classic. Pour one out by the way. ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Classic, yeah pour one out for, for ESPN. Or, or, or when you, uh, you know how you used to play that like NCAA 13 and you would play the computer and yeah, yeah. You get like the congrats. You have the number two, best game of all time 
Yeah, not not on that list. Not on there. Not on that list at all. Um, so yeah, coordinator spoke today. I'll be honest. I mean, that's the headline I always use on Wednesday's show. There, there's not a whole. It's, it's not like there were any <laughs> big secrets given away today. Uh, Satterfield spoke. Clayton White spoke. Of course, they do every every Wednesday at at twelve twenty. You can go watch the whole thing on GamecockCentral.com. Um, interesting comment, I will say, from Satterfield when he was asked um, if he was like vindicated by by the success on Saturday. And he, you know, he get. I thought he gave a great answer. I'll give him credit. He gave a great answer. He said, "Look, if I'm, if I'm sitting here after that that game, that win, saying that you know I was vindicated, um, then you got the wrong guy running the offense, and that's him saying it, not y'all. Y'all have been saying that for <laughs> for for a number of weeks. But he's saying if if that's if that's my takeaway." as the play caller, then, you know, you got the wrong guy. And and to his point, Chris, his point was like, you can be vindicated in a sense of like, hey, this is, this is great for the players who, who sort of um, hung in there. And this is great for the players who didn't quit, who, who sort of didn't just say, man, this just ain't working Mm y'all hung in there. Um, But I get the sense that Satterfield really I, there's I don't think it's coach speak when he dude he was asked about the Josh Van video by the way the the funniest thing the creative media team has done certainly in 2021 but I I really truly I don't think that was coach speak that he just didn't want to talk about it I don't know if he really even had watched it or, or known his reaction was of someone who couldn't care less about stuff like that but I, I thought just an interesting comment he was asked about it you know would you know should, does he feel vindicated personally that he was sort of right all along about this offense type thing and he did not take the bait on, on that at all <laughs> yeah and, and and I'm with you I mean I, I do think that I've enjoyed all the press conferences from the coaches this year when I say enjoy it's not like um I'm not coming that from a perspective of you know, getting fired up like a fan does or something like that. I've found them most of the time to have some level of insight. Sometimes some funny stuff happens, whatever, you know, when Pete Limbo's gone up there, done his talks every now and then uh, Marcus Satterfield. I mean, look, every week we've kind of been, we've circled that press conference because it's always frequently, to be honest, it's been, He's going to go up there and have to answer a lot of tough questions about why the offense isn't performing well. And so this week we knew was going to be different. Nonetheless, still very interesting. And I was still looking forward to it to see kind of what did he attribute the success to and things like that. I thought there were a couple of interesting moments. He kind of, I agree with somebody that said on social media the other day, we used the double down thing too much in the media, but he, he did kind of double down on the fact of, look, I, I kind of like, I swear to you guys, <laughs> We didn't do that much different. Now, look, there were some things that uh, maybe were just tweaked in a small way or there were some different things there for sure. I think what he meant by we didn't overhaul the scheme was they didn't overhaul the scheme. They didn't come out and start running the air raid, things like that. There were some differences, right? But a lot of it he very much pointed to just like you said, Wes, staying the course, playing better. Even told our Colin Taylor, 
you know, it, it was kind of funny because you wasn't quite sure what he was alluding to, but he basically just kind of said, kick this guy's butt and we'll take care of some of the rest of it. And he was like, we can talk off camera about that sometime. You remember that? Not sure exactly what he meant, but, but a few interesting little, little nuggets and comments today. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, he, he did to, to me, they, they did a, they did a little bit more different than what he let on. Um, now, to, 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 from his standpoint, like the the play, those all those plays may have been in the scheme. Like that, that's probably what he's saying. Like this is the same scheme. Now, what are what are the percentages that you call certain things that you call certain runs? Um, to me, that that changed a, a little bit. Obviously, that changed a little bit. Uh, depending on your definition, it could you know they they definitely had more movement up front as far as pulling linemen in this game than they had on average in other games. Um, now that said, I did, I liked the point is something you and I talked about on Monday. He mentioned the same thing I did. Eric Douglas, you know, signaling first down after a run and just there, you know, the guys looked like they were having fun and it's interesting. It's like, you know, one of those, what comes first, the chicken or the egg type, like, you know, are they playing better because they're having fun? Um, The way he described it, though, was they were able to get off to a fast enough start that um, they were to get off to a fast enough start that then it is fun. And then you sort of sort of start to build off of it a a little bit and it snowballs from there. Um, That that to me was – was cool to see for the guys, but then he even acknowledged that that they had told the the linemen, go go like let it like don't don't be so tight, you know let enjoy playing the game. Tyshawn Wanamaker, man, I don't remember him being a super outgoing kid during the recruiting process. He plays the game with some flair to him, like he was yes. he was pumped. I mean, and by the way, I know you saw him play basketball in high school, right? You weren't you there when Brian McClendon and Eric Wolford yeah. were watching him play ball? Scouted him in a basketball game at Calhoun County. Yeah. Yeah. Wanamaker can run down the field very fast for a big man. Like got, he, he's got good feet for a big he man. He is light on his feet. I bet that yeah. dude was was tough to deal with on a basketball court at at what, two A? South Carolina two A? Yeah. One A. That time. One or two at that time. I can't remember what they were when I saw him. Yeah. But but yeah, it th- these guys had some personality on Saturday. And it, it seems as if that, from what Satterfield said, that wasn't just, that was not just a result of like, it just happened that they had encouraged the guys, hey, go go let it hang out, like be yourself a little bit. Yeah, and Travis on the Primal Gourmet chat line, 1A for, yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Um, appreciate that, Travis. Dude, this just popped in my head as you were talking about that. It's a great point. I'm kind of glad Satterfield brought it up. I noticed it. Like, I remember on a – now, Nick Muse is always a little bit more demonstrative in life in general and also on the football field. But Marshawn Lloyd, when he popped that little run, uh, I, I don't know if he – maybe he thought Marshawn was going to take it to the house, but he's running with his hand in the air. Like, I think he's just saying first down or good run or whatever. But there was more of that, you know, and – what did we talk about earlier in the season? It was the defense for this team, and they've had some struggles, 
But this defense was playing loose, and they were having fun. And they looked like they just took the scheme. They had kind of not mastered it, but they they'd integrated well into this scheme. They're going out there and executing it, having fun, and playing kind of loose. As a result, you know, they've had some success. They've gotten some turnovers. We've seen guys like Jalen Foster, who began his career as a walk-on, a special teams guy, has flourished, you know. And a lot of that, you know, I think you could point to the coaching and the scheme and, and give the players a lot of credit, too. The offensive side of the ball was missing that. Now, some of it was just not having success. You're not going to see guys as fired up when they're not having success. But the offense did play loose. They looked like they were having fun. They found success. That helped. But the kind of attitude that they played with, I think that helped. You know, Jason Brown, his personality is more that style too. I think that style reflects more of what Shane Beamer is. Shane Beamer isn't this like tight, you know, coach or what, like he's kind of more free spirited a little bit more, you know what I mean? And, and I think that offensive performance matched, you know, I think what he would like the identity and kind of the personality of this team to be. Yeah. Did, did you catch um, during the Beamer presser yesterday when uh, one of the, I think it was Corey Diaz maybe asked him about, um, before the fourth down, the fourth and one, that was basically the exclamation point. And he was yelling, move them, move them, move them. And then they, dude, he, and Beamer's like, I don't, don't read my lips on, on that one. Uh, but he was letting out a few let's, let's bleep and go. Um, yep, he was. But that, that's a cool moment, man. Like, I was glad they, they captured that. Cause we, people have, people have this mindset about Beamer because he is a nice guy. That oh he's a nice guy you know what I mean like and and that's that's the type of thing being a nice guy can be a compliment but it can also be an insult oh he's just a nice guy this guy's a he has an edge to him as well you know yeah, like he has to have a bit of an edge like a pushover or something yes yeah. you can be a nice guy oh this guy's a nice guy you know like that can be an insult like that you get pushed around that you're a pushover yeah. That he's got an edge to him. It, it's sometimes good. I feel like for people, like when when Carolina was struggling, um, there were people commenting on Gamecock Central on the message board talking about oh, he's just over there clapping. He's over there clapping. Well, what do you want him to do? He's not supposed <laughs> to clap anymore. Like you can't clap. Like what? The, people will find anything when things are going bad. When yep to 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 nitpick. Like this, this is a clapper. So you, like, what? What clapper. even is that? Um, well, yeah, it, it's you know, it, it's kind of like uh, again, that's something that people are going to latch onto. It, it's like in baseball, that one always cracks me up. It's it's always in baseball. Oh, they act like they don't even care sitting in the yeah, dugout. Yeah, things don't go right. He's just sitting there in the dugout. You know, like. He, he needs to show more. He needs to be throwing something or whatever. That that's been one with Beamer this year. He needs to yell at the refs more, as if that's going to change the call. You know, I mean, you know, maybe if he put on a Nick Saban mask or something, he might get more calls. You know, maybe I don't know, but like, I don't know if yelling that, at that put on an Alabama jersey to get that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is it, it is interesting how people you know latch onto that stuff. And and I understand, but look, I mean, going back to the point about the clapping and the being demonstrative on the sidelines, Beamer is more of that in terms of the positive energy. But 
I mean, a lot of people have talked about how this team needs more positivity, you know? So, like, he's giving that. And I will say, what about – I mean, there is something to be said for results aside, whether it's the win against Florida, the bad loss against A&M, the bad loss against Tennessee. This team has kept playing. Could it be – could it be, just a theory, that the positivity from Beamer has helped – has helped keep them on that path to where instead of quitting after Tennessee and A&M and a one point win over Vandy, instead of quitting, they get, went and improved, you know, kept playing. It could be just a theory. I don't know. Just spitballing. Well, and, and here's the thing we, you know, we talked about this early this week, man, but the timing of it to, to actually have the results take place, you can, you can push the positive buttons. Eventually, that runs out. Like eventually, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I was talking to a former player yesterday um, who actually ha- has been through like a rebuild at, at South Carolina. And, you know, it, he was, this was Lou Holtz era, and he was talking about, you know, A, there wasn't social media back then like it is now to where people, you know, you're reading all this negativity and stuff. He's like, uh, Lou, you know, Lou year one just is like just pushing, 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 pushing. And you're you're zero and eleven, like you you don't you don't you're like is is there an end like do we, is there a light at the end of this tunnel or is this guy just full of it you know, and you you want to at some point see the end of the tunnel the light at the end of the tunnel and be rewarded for it that that time period that you have to just keep pushing and stay the course probably a little bit shorter now. Than it was back in 1999. So that that that's an that's an aspect here, but it it came it came at the perfect time, man. It, it really did. And and as we're going to talk about, as we talked about already, but I think the the subject of Friday's show, which is our final preview, is going to be: Can you now do what coaches at South Carolina in the past have not been able to do? And that's deal with the success. Um, not that Carolina's arrived by any means, but can can you deal with a week of success? Um, which that to me, I, I want to dive into that kind of deep on Friday with our final preview. Um, Clayton White had an interesting comment, Chris, about how they about how the defense on the sideline responded to seeing the offense finally have success, and. It, it was kind of cool. He, you know, th- there was a, those guys were happy. Um, and happy is an understatement, but they, they were thrilled for their teammates. And Clayton White said they had sort of drilled it into the guys. Like we, it, they, things happen at, at a different pace sometimes. Like, yeah, the defense at times has played, has played really pretty well this year. The offense, what was struggling. And so they they encouraged them, hey, look, don't this isn't offense versus defense. This, this is a team. And you can't get frustrated by the offense not playing well because it's gonna click eventually. And they they tried to encourage the defense that hey, it's gonna click in. Because you can have locker rooms that that have that divide. And you know, football's it's it's different than most sports. You know, if you're 
if you're if you're a baseball player and you play shortstop, yeah, like the position players and the pitchers are kind of separated a little bit. But if you're a shortstop, you play defense and then you go hit. Um, if you're the point guard, you distribute the football or distribute the basketball on offense, and then you go guard the point guard on defense. You're playing both sides. There can be a split in football. So they were aware of that. It sounds like they did not avoid the elephant in the room, that they spoke of the elephant in the room and said, look, the last thing that needs to happen is for the defense to get down, and then it clicks for the offense, and the defense ain't ready to pull up to to take up their side of the bargain. And he was like, it sounded like it was almost like somebody talking about their kids when they're proud of them. You know, he was like, I'm, he's like, I'm, he's like, it was a, it was really cool to see the reaction from the defensive side on the sideline as, and he named him. He's like watching Zaquandre White, watching Kevin Harris, watching Josh Van, watching Nick Muse, watching Jason Brown, watching them all have success. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me was really cool, but also it was. It was Clayton White as the defense coordinator preaching something that just felt on brand with the culture that Beamer is trying to uh-huh. instill from like the top down. And that's important and timely because um, we've talked about this all week. The two teams that took the field on Saturday came in with the same record. Both have had concerns. Florida was favored, probably rightfully so, based on what we saw going in. But yet one team basically dominated the game and looked like they wanted to be there, and the other team didn't. And if you talk to anybody down in Florida right now, going into that game and now exiting that game especially, things aren't going so hot. Not the best locker room situation. Not the best connection between the coaches and the players. Things have not gone well. You know, if you just take in a general sense – South Carolina either this year. Like, let's take the record out. You know, different people had expectations on that. But some things have not been what we thought they would be. Some have been better, et cetera. We, we've talked about that. But the common thread is they, they've kept it positive and they've kept the team together. And that's been evident even in the losses. Again, go back to the effort. Go back to the fact that they've had struggles, significant struggles this year. And the wins that they've had have not exactly set the world on fire. There have been some squeakers in there. But they've continued, they've stayed that course to where they can go out and have a dominating victory at home against Florida and provide all that fun that Gamecock fans have been reveling in for a few days now. And now you have hope the rest of the season. Now you have a result for the players. So what do you put that back to? Well, it's it's that top-down approach of we're going to keep things positive. We're going to be connected. We're going to show love. Uh, for a low-margin team like this one, low-margin-of-error team, that becomes way more critical. Uh, we've even read about some championship teams in the past that were so talented uh, as players, as coaches. They've even gone and won a championship, but then they fractured, you know, after that. And, and it's taken a long time to recover. You know, the talent's important. Recruiting is going to be critical here these next few years. Winning games is going to be critical. But establishing that culture, I don't think you can look past that because I think that – was a big reason for what we saw on Saturday because it it was a reason that the players, you know, stayed the course. Yeah, H-Man says on YouTube, I'll take a squeaker win against Mizzou. Yeah, if you're a Carolina fan, you will take 
you'll take any you will take Missouri deciding in the fourth quarter that they don't want to play anymore. Like you will take any dub any way you can get it. If it's if you win by a safety and it's two to nothing, who cares? You will take it because this is not this is this team, this South Carolina team has not arrived. Like this is still a tough trip. You're going on the road. You're facing an SEC team. Um, they have improved some. I I looked at the numbers though. By the way, they they stopped Georgia in, in the first half. Georgia, you know, didn't run the ball incredibly well. Um, and I, I I'm gonna come back to this actually because I want to give you all the numbers. But there was a comment earlier, uh, I think from Coleman actually on on YouTube, Eric Douglas. And, you know, some people got on uh, old E-Doug two weeks ago, had some rough snaps. Very just out of nowhere, I thought. Um, you know, I, I actually I felt really bad for him because as a it almost was like he had the yips for a second as far as his snaps go. But um, Sat had some really, I thought, enlightening comments about Eric Douglas that probably doesn't get brought up enough just how smart of a football player that he is. And they put a ton going into this game on Eric Douglas as far as setting protections and making checks up front as far as the scheme goes. Um, They basically told Jason Brown, listen to what Eric Douglas says. Now, if you if you have a better better view of something and you and you're sure of it, you know, Jason Brown can change it if he needs to. But otherwise, if you stick with Eric Douglas, you're good to go. And, you know, Satterfield compared it to the NFL guys he was working with with the Panthers and and talking about Eric Douglas's knowledge of the game, which I I thought was really cool and and worth pointing out. Um, He's always been a thoughtful kid. Always been a great communicator going all the way back to interviewing him, um, you know, up in Charlotte out of out of high school. So uh, but but that was cool and that was interesting how much they put on him. And 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 Satterfield said this was probably one of his better games in terms of leadership displayed in the game. Yeah, that was really cool for Douglas. You know, I, I noticed during the game that he was having a good game just in terms of his play, which was great to see in terms of a rebound because he did. He had a rough out. Everyone had a rough outing for the most part against A&M. He didn't come away going, man, this guy really played well. You didn't see a lot of that. And that was particularly the case for Douglas. So for him to come out and rebound and be a critical piece and get, you know, public shout outs, you know, in the media through through the offensive coordinator. I thought that that was pretty cool. And that's something we've always heard about him. Just a very savvy kid. I remember talking to his high school coach uh, when he was coming out of Mallard Creek, uh, Mike Palmieri at the time. And he said he just, you know, maybe not the most even at that even at that stage, Wes in high school, yeah, he was bigger than most guys, et cetera. But he wasn't the most physically dominating guy, but he just understood angles and he had a really good knowledge of the game. So we, we've seen that, you know, throughout his time at South Carolina. Good to see him rebound, and he's going to be really, really important, you know, for this team down the stretch. But, uh, we'll see if Eric Douglas and that offensive line can continue their success with what will really be the key to this game, I think. Missouri 
Started out the year awful in uh, in the run game as far as defensively stopping the run. Um, have They have showed some signs of progress. Now, that said, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Do you do we do we say South Carolina's running game has arrived because they had one really good night, you know, against Florida? Um, do we say Missouri's run defense has arrived because they had a a solid? I mean, I can't even call it a, a good. They had a solid day. They had a good day for them against Georgia. We'll say it like that. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, I don't know if y'all know or care uh, cfbstats.com is where I go to a lot um, for conference wide stats and you can just you can sort by game log for for any category so you can do rushing defense for Missouri by game by the way the the southeast Missouri state game holy cow th- th- that was a get you fired game because Missouri allowed 8.17 yards per carry to Southeast Missouri State in week three. So have they improved since then? Absolutely, yes. Like They've improved a ton since then. Uh, Georgia last week, they held them to 168 yards, which, you know, for, for being awful on run defense, that was probably a pretty good day for them. Still... If you told me my defense allowed 5.1 yards per carry in a game, I'm not exactly like writing home about an outstanding, you know, performance. So uh, Van- Vanderbilt, uh, let's see. Yeah, Vanderbilt two weeks ago rushed for 258 yards on the ground. Uh, that is 6.97 yards per carry. So – you know, here's the thing. If if Carolina, let's say they rush for, for 5.09 yards per carry, which is what Georgia did. I kind of, I like, that would, that would be a pretty decent day for, for Missouri's defense. I would feel pretty good about Carolina's chances, though, to, to win this game if they can do this and, and not turn the ball over on offense. Yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, going to that when you – you put up those stats, you would feel good. I think turnovers there would be the key. Are you turning the ball over? How, you know, where are you turning it over? And then how is your defense playing? You know, Missouri's got some questions at quarterback. We're, we're going to cover a lot more Missouri uh, tomorrow, West tomorrow afternoon. Gabe DeArmond, PowerMizzou.com. He'll join us here on GC Live. Get your questions, you know, ready mentally in your head to, to get for Gabe. I know I have some for him. Quarterback situation will be one of them. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I watched – a decent amount of the Missouri Georgia game. And I did come away going, wow, you know, Georgia either played pretty poorly on offense or Missouri's gotten a little better. Maybe, like you said, Wes, it could be, it could have been that both sides just had kind of an uncharacteristic performance. We do know that Missouri really, really at times has struggled with the run this year and just on defense in general. So a potential opening for South Carolina. Certainly, this is not one of the best defenses that they will play this year that they will have played or, or will. Um, so can they take advantage? And, and I think that's the key. They showed some good things in the run game last week, and that's going to have to be the starting point for this game. By the way, Wes, one, one quick unrelated thing. I saw somebody in the chat, in the Primal Gourmet chat, Keith Parker, does Jalen Foster have another year? He does not. 
Uh, it's been a common question, of course, about Jason Brown. Here's a cool tool for you guys. If you go to GamecockCentral.com, which, of course, is our website, you look on that top navigation bar and you go to the football tab, go to our scholarship breakdown. Uh, I just saw something that we got to correct on there. There might be a couple of things, but if you look at where guys are listed, you can look at their eligibility. For instance, Jordan Birch, just to use an example, he's listed as a freshman because he was a freshman last year and everybody gets a free year. Uh, the guys listed as seniors are the so-called super seniors. So Nick News, Jabari Ellis, Aaron Sterling, Jalen Foster, guys like that. Those are guys that do not have an extra year. So if they're not in the senior tab, um, they do not have an extra season at their disposal. So uh, might need to tweak one or two guys, but go there, check out the scholarship breakdown, and you can always get the answer to your question about how many years does player X have. Yeah, that's under the football tab, you said. That's right. Chris, and it, that is a – you don't have to be a subscriber to to view that. That is that is for everybody, which is cool. And uh, it, it's, it's a weird time for roster management, uh, I'll tell you that. Um, maybe a couple of guys that actually – like EJ Jenkins, for example, is listed as a tight end still. I think South Carolina even still lists him as a tight end maybe. Um, he's been playing receiver, but for the most part, as far as the, the, um, the years and this, this actually will give you a more accurate representation than what South Carolina is listing on GamecocksOnline.com. The official listing, they're listing it as if last year happened when in reality, last year didn't happen as far as eligibility goes. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of different, but this was a um, this is a way for you to to see that. Jamie says uh, EJ was listed as a wide receiver on this week's depth chart. Um, was he? I don't know. Verification needed. I thought he was still listed at tight end, but I could be wrong. Anyway, he's playing receiver. They got him and Josh Van on the field at the same time. That was good to see. All right, y'all. That's uh, I think that's all we got for today. We'll have uh, we have Gabe Diarman on tomorrow, correct? Yep, tomorrow probably two fifteen ish is what we'll shoot for. Uh, I'll be on Gabe's show actually right before that, probably but right up against the two o'clock, and so we'll get him in around there. But don't worry, unless something drastic changes, we will have Gabe on during the show at some point tomorrow. Does an awesome job covering Missouri, buddy of mine. So I'm looking forward to having him on. Yep, it'll be fun. Uh, Chris, before we get out of here, tell everybody about your dead socksy socks. Yeah, there, there's some other friends of the show here on GC Live. That is D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, Dead Socksy. Go check out their extensive catalog of men's and women's socks, all different colors and all different styles, whether it's the athletics, the no-shows, the bordering dress socks, or the spur line that you see up in the top left if you're on the stream. Use the promo code COCKY to get 25% off at deadsoxy.com. Yeah, we appreciate Dead Soxy. We appreciate Promo Gourmet, who always sponsors our chat line. And, of course, we pre- uh, appreciate our presenting sponsor. Easy for me to say. Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. For Chris Clark, I'm Wes Mitchell. Appreciate all of you supporting the show. Go check out GamecockCentral.com. Until then, we shall see you on Thursday.